Hey, everybody. Welcome to the new Conversations in Groove podcast. You might ask yourself, what are Conversations in Groove? Well, we're going to find out what your groove is and what a lot of my friends' grooves are. Like, what do they do? They play music? Are, are, they, are, they, are they actors? Are they in TV and film? I don't know, but you're going to find out. And the cool thing is, it's all live right here from Earth Tones Recording Studio. So, welcome to the Conversations in Groove podcast. All right, cool. So, here we are on episode uh, five of the Conversations in Groove podcast. And this week, my good buddy, speaking of groove, aptly named podcast because I have the groove master himself, the clapper dapper, Mr. Jeff Clap, ladies and gentlemen. Good to be here. Good to be here, Ben. Yeah, you know, dude. Just getting some earth tones going. That's all we're doing. <laughs> yeah, like that. man. See yeah, what I did? <laughs> that was good. That was good. That was that was yeah. like that was like fifteen seconds. That was like world I mean, record. Just in there. I'm how in much? There. Do, I mean, I'm just excited to be here with you, bro. How much do I owe you? Am I running you a tab? Uh, uh, no, for mention. I think I think I owe you for the many <laughs> favors oh, you uh, bestowed upon my life, sir. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So let's talk today, man, about um, let's talk about a lot of stuff. Let's talk about um, first off, let's tell everybody kind of what you do. You are one of my favorite drummers. Oh, you are my friend. You are my brother. And mm-hmm. but when I watch you play drums, it's amazing. And ha. if people don't know you, I'm going to put links I'll have links in the video, you know, I'll have an yeah. Earth Tones, I'll have an Earth Tones link like down, down here yeah. somewhere. Hit the link, hit and the like button. Then I'll have Jeff's link up here somewhere. So if you Share guys it. need to go find uh, Jeff, you can and you will. And so let's tell everybody kind of, kind of where you got your start playing drums and kind of what your okay what your drum gig is I, I hang out with a lot of different types of musicians because of what yeah, i do and kind of how yeah. i came up so i hang out with a lot of rock guys i hang out with some jazz guys i hang out with a lot of blues guys so let's kind of tell everybody mm-hmm. what your kind of what your drum expertise is and how you sort of got there i guess from when you were young and kind of coming up Okay, well, nobody knows this, but I sound exactly like Neil Peart on all the records. <laughs> but that gig was already taken, so I, I never went for that. I went ahead and let Neil take care of that. And that man, and, that's um, that's that's so that's so gracious right. of you. I let him and Bonham and Stuart Copeland. I just figured, you know what, man? Why mess up a good thing if it's not? If it's already rolling. So why exactly? I mean, why, man? I just, um, you know. You know, um, I just started when I was a little kid. I, I, I just always kind of gravitated, I guess, towards the rhythm of the music. And um, my parents got me a Sesame Street album of music. It was actually mm. a vinyl. Mm. You know, yeah. So I put that on, and then that Christmas, they bought me a little, like, K&K toy drum set, right? Dude, was, had, K- and, what, was K&K toys the best? The best, bro. I mean, it's like if you were to walk into a microphone superstore with speakers and stuff you had never seen in your life, like, holy crap. So we went, you know, this is in Texarkana, Texas. We lived there for a few years and um, we lived in this flat ranch house. And so right when you went in the house, that's where, of course, I decided to set up the drums because that's where the turntable was. So I set them right up and I'd play along. And so I guess I kind of developed a little bit of an ear in how to play with the music instead of just beating drums. So I've always been gravitated. I always like to try to blend in, you know. And I'm kind of like that personally, too. I like to blend in socially where I'm at, too, because I don't like being uncomfortable. You know? Right, right. And that's a, Man, so, that's, a, that's a thing. I mean, and you don't really, you just don't, you just don't think about it, man. You know, like yeah. I don't, you don't think about being uncomfortable or wanting to blend into something, and and that's uh, yeah, 
Anyway, continue. I'm sorry, man. Oh, man. I mean, and then um, I'll give you the Reader's Digest version, Benji. Uh, take your, so, hey, take your time, man. We got time. I got time if you got time. Well, right? okay, then. So in the backyard, <laughs> we had Happy, our dog, and we'd throw the baseball against the house for hours. <laughs> baseball against the house. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah, man. I was a saw. I always threw a tennis ball until this guy broke the window and dad had to fix one of them little things. And, and um, yeah, that dad's like, go beat your drums. <laughs> he basically said, you're not an athlete. You're a drummer. And that really stuck with me because I love golf and tennis and that's what I played. But Benji, this is probably a very pivotal point in my life when I said, you know what? I'm a drummer in seventh grade. I went out for basketball Yeah, and I made, and I made manager. So, oh, yeah, buddy. Well, hey, yeah. at least they included you. Yeah, they included me. So, and I went up there every Saturday morning, and I would like, I would, I was the manager for a year, and I had to clip. Hey, less work, more money, right? Uh, In well, management. Yeah. Wait, that's true. That's true. I should have managed Jordan since he's from North Carolina. Um, <laughs> right. But uh, man, I uh, during one of those games, I'm hanging out with my friend Kelly Moore, and she's like. She mentioned something about band or snare drum, and I just thought to myself, you know what? I just have more fun in band. It's more fun. It's more natural. I'm just gonna just go ahead and keep doing. It. I'm gonna pursue that. Yeah. And did, you know, do sports on the side, and um, and I'm also a pretty decent dancer, uh, but Christy thinks I should be a backstage dancer, not a backup dancer. Yeah, backstage, backstage. <laughs> so all my big dreams were squashed. Dang so it, I just man. decided. I know, man. You know, the male model. So drums, so drums were just what was that was just what was l- left over out of out it was, of the. It was like Plan B. It was Plan B, yeah. pretty much. Yeah, no, I actually, it was not. It was always. Um, you remember those frozen? Uh, they were before um, what Grandma used to put food in and freeze them. Yeah. Was, well, I I used to set those up in the living room on the couch and just drive my parents nuts. There you go. Man, and do you know I've had a couple of conversations here with uh, some friends of mine, and it's funny because I had um, I had Eric Gales on a few weeks ago, and you know him mm-hmm. being a guitar player, he talked about the same thing. He said in my house I would get the pots and pans out, and the spoons, and yeah. the soup yeah. ladles, and that's just that it starts yeah. there. And it's so weird how that that's ingrained in you, and it starts at that age. You can't stop it. I still have that. Remember those wooden spoons, man? They were just yeah. unbreakable. Yeah, it's great. They don't <laughs> can't even find them anymore. But so yeah, I mean, you get a certain tone, and and then um, my mom used to work at a church. So one summer, I would just go up and hang out in the church and run around and and just be with her. Um, and they had this big fellowship hall with a Ludwig. Do you remember the Ludwig that was blue, red, white, and blue striped? Yeah, probably seventy-seven. A little yeah. sparkly, a little yeah, bit of sparkle. Brand new with those clear heads and the silver dot. I was like, and so I would hit them, and, and um, they would just resound in that big fellowship. I mean, huge. I was like, wow, drums sound great, right? You know, I thought that's what they're supposed to sound like all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so then when I go to the store to look out with dad, I'm like, these don't sound. These don't. These don't <laughs> I mean, so you were you were already listening to the sound yeah, of the, the sound of the room before right, you. Yeah. So you're like, look, I'm yeah. looking. I know I'm only ten and I'm looking for a drum yeah. kit, but I gotta right. have a big wooden room. I gotta have a it's big got sound, high big ceilings sound. and uh, right. and all that, you know. And of course, you know, you being a producer and a studio uh, guru, you're always doing this with the drummer about drum ring or tone or you know. Yeah, man. It's just always something, man. The bass drum's too low. It's in the way of the organ. Something. Right, it's, right. You know, right. So I've just kind of conceded to like, you know, whatever, bro. <laughs> right. You know, studio <laughs> is one thing, and then live, I try to be as, as ringy as I can. I think it was based off that first experience of just being like, wow, I can do something, and it sounds big, and it makes you, it hits you here, right? It hits you here, right, right. And I talked to a friend of mine, Brian, a lot about how you tune your snare drum or toms or whatever to hit you right here when you hit it hard. It doesn't do that. Something's wrong, especially in New Orleans because it was so humid. Right. You know, you'd have to tune the bottom higher so it actually gives some ring. Right. You know, so I think that's where I got kind of some of my strength and touch because it was never in the middle. You'd have to either really make it happen or really be just super gentle in those hotel situations or, you know, well, and knowing, and knowing that too, like walking into the situation and knowing, like, okay, here's 
where here's how here's how loud here's how loud I'm allowed not 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 allowed but here's what the gig, right. here's what the gig calls for right. and yeah. I have to play right. like this so therefore my drums are going to sound better if I tune them this way because I can only really hit them this right. way at the gig yep. you know and yep. as opposed to just going in and just bashing the living hell out of everything yeah, so, yeah it sounds great and then you sit back on them and they just don't do anything you know right. what I'm saying well so, man to that story, I'll give you a prime example. In Greensboro, we played with uh, Charlie and Sam, and I borrowed this guy, Jamie Understein's Gretsch drums, right? Mm -hmm. You know, 70s, maple gum, just the greatest kid ever. And they sounded great outside, and then they sounded beautiful on Elm Street Lounge, and they would, it was a louder gig. And then, man, when we got in the studio, it was just too loud. I tuned them to where they would and so I had to switch kits and go to the Reverie kit because it, it was already contained for that specific studio. Right, right, know. right. And, and even, or your studio, it wouldn't have worked. It would have been, right. you, yeah. So you kind of dodged the bullet on that one, buddy. We spent like three hours trying to figure that out. <laughs> oh, come on, man. Yeah. Well, that, uh, but, and, and, and the other thing that you said too earlier that 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 people don't realize in a, stu in a, in a studio situation, not, I mean, and and also too, I guess, partly in a live situation. In a studio situation, I can take most any drum kit in this whole place, and I can set it up, and I can hit them to where I think they sound great, and I can have five different drummers come in and sit down behind that kit, mic'd up the exact same way, and it sounds like five different drum kits, man. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and that's it, a really interesting point. That's a great point. Yeah, and it's and it's all about like with you when you come in here, I can set up my reveries, which are back there, back there in the room. You yeah. can't really see them right beautiful, now, but they're back in that room. Yeah. And and the I can set the reveries up, or I can get my I've got my Ludwig Ringo kit sitting up here Woo! up on top. That's of my a great beat. kit. That's yeah, a great kit. and the thing is, you know how as a drummer, and that's how like. We're going to speak to a lot of drummers today. I hope. Okay. We are. I, I, hope, I we are. hope we're talking to a lot of drummers today. Is I'm going to kind of point this thing to. You want to know what's up? You need to listen to this episode of this podcast because the thing is, I can set up any of these kits, and you, you make them speak the way that they're supposed to speak. Mm -hmm. uh, how you hit them and how you adjust, and you have to adjust on the fly. You can't you have to just have that have one to. way that you play. Yep. And sometimes it's it, it's it's not as convenient to the drummer to have to do that, yep. but you realize that your job as a studio drummer is to oh, make man. this thing sound this way, no matter if you adjust the kit, adjust yourself, yep. you know, and all this other stuff. So yep. I want to I want to talk a lot about about that, you know. And okay. so I know that you've talked about you've already mentioned New Orleans, and I know that you are you are you're not necessarily typecast as a new orleans guy but dude you're a new orleans guy and you it's can't okay. you can't you can't, I, you can't I, undo I, that and that take honored. that takes a thing yeah uh, uh, right honor, man. Yeah. Yeah. I and mean, it yeah. takes a thing to do I'm that because there's cats that are coming up and i mean grown men and they still try to do that thing and it's just kind of pales in comparison like you have to go you have to kind of go there you have to and live, live there. that you thing. need you need to live it and experience it and get rejected by it so many times you have to fail so tell, so tell me about tell everybody tell everybody you know and it doesn't have to be a brief synopsis but tell everybody about your new orleans experience how you got there you're talking about texarkana kind of how you got there and how you how, how you how you knew that's where you belonged and wanted to be and how you adjusted as far as learning and how to get wow. in that circle i know that may be a that may be a long winding five-part question but <laughs> well um you're lucky i'm not christy or i'd start over here and end up here you know how <laughs> women yeah. it's like what are you trying to say we just say get to the end all right but i won't do that to you man I will give you the um, the historical lineage of Clapper Dapper. So I was in High Point, North Carolina, growing up, and um, born in Greensboro. For those who want to know, Cone Hospital, and um, I was in the band and little jazz band at Northeast High School. We did Andrews, T. Wingate Andrews. I didn't know you went to band. Northeast, also. Yeah, you went there? No, I went to I went to Southern, but I I went to Southern, Southern Guilford. Yeah. So we were in the count. We were. In, you remember when there was a county school system and a yes, city I school do. system? I That's do. crazy, right? I knew I'd seen you somewhere, man. I, I swear, I, little dude, busy. You don't. Little busy's running down the street. <laughs> 
dude you don't know how you don't know how many people and how many yeah. like I, i'm having you know like oh I, I, i'm doing this podcast like i'm having people in that either live here or they have some sort of ties here and man i'm learning something about i mean you guys are my friends man. but you learn something yeah. about your friends every day i learned that i learned I that about up, you today man i grew up like 20 minutes from your studio crazy point on and glenwood um so not glenwood but uh seven oaks anyway all right, all right. So okay. I'm at High Point, and I, I have a CB700 purple kit. That, oh, you know, I have yeah. it set up like Neil Pert, and I you know, playing uh-huh. the signals every day. Um, and obviously, all the great Yes and Gen- early Genesis, and Chris turned me on to that Robert Plant. So I was kind of all over the map as far as from Steely Dan to obviously James Brown has always been around. I don't know how that got in our house. Because we had, we were just more of a classical home. My dad did classical NPR, and my mom was a uh, music minister, which is not the most soulful music. You've ever heard. <laughs> Depending <laughs> on which church you're at, son. <laughs> well, not this church, not our church. It's just me, buddy. Not so, I know, I know. I know. <laughs> but this molded my ear in a certain way. Very, you know, Stuart Copeland meets, you know, whatever. And I thought. Spiral Jara, nothing against him. I thought that was real jazz. So that's that's fusion, just acoustic, whatever that is. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, it's great music. Dave Samuels, love that cat. So Dave Samuels was the marimbas, and so I said, man, I would really like to number one get out of High Point, and uh, yeah, and then I went to Winston Salem School of the Arts for eleventh and twelfth grade on a scholarship for snare drum. So I studied classical percussion and timpani and snare drum with Massey Johnson. Wow. Yeah. And Massey was the principal of, you know, Winston, Greensboro, North Carolina. He was just one of those dudes for Bard. They was everywhere. Right. Uh, and just the sweetest little dude. Always wore a tie and a, a wool sweater, no matter how hot it was downstairs. In the drum room. He just, <laughs> well, let's try that again, Jeffrey. And just, you know, really taught me how to touch the drums with, you know, really, I got a lot of touch from that. And then we had a guy named Scott who was in the jazz band at the time, 1987. And he just had this fluidity, Benji, that just like, I, you know, my head would be like, what? Because I was so aggressive, man. And yeah. I was very this. And so come back to Scott about five years later when I'm in New Orleans. And I realized he probably had checked out some cats from New Orleans or something. He just had that thing right and so uh, anyway i was uh i had a car i was doing west side story on drum set in catalba college shut up yeah Yeah. so i was going over there every day in my diet my dad's dodge 1986 white dodge aspen that had those big orange blinkers clink and clink you remember those (laughs) things but they're like this big (laughs) So I that's what I remember. Yeah, and then, I swear. So I had a you're car. Like, I had a car. You're yeah. like you're <laughs> like me. I can't remember what I did. Uh, oh, yeah. I can't remember what I did last night. But I can tell you what the sound oh, yeah. of a Dodge Aspen blinker sounds like. <laughs> anyway, so uh, a friend of mine, Will Tipton, this classical trumpet player, had a big old picture or poster of Wynton Marsalis, but it was Wynton Marsalis in a, a tuxedo and a, a classical horn, a smaller uh, classical horn. And uh, he said, "Man, can you?" I know you got a car clap. Can you take me, please take me to Chapel Hill? I got a, a trumpet lesson with this cat. And I was like, okay, cool. Because all my cousins were in Chapel Hill, you know? Oh, okay. So this is before Starbucks and all that. So we went to the, the cafeteria, <laughs> got some coffee, and then we went down. And I met Winton was in his, it's literally in his, his, his skivvies, just his boxers, giving this dude a trumpet lesson. And I'm like over there watching the Knicks game. But every time Winton would pick up the horn, I'd be like, damn. And then my friend would pick up the horn and his sound would be like this, you know, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, dude, this dude's bad. And then went and said, do you want, and it was all classical stuff, no jazz. And uh, he went and said, do you want to come to the concert tonight? And, and we're like, sure. The concert started at eight. The band showed up at 10.01. Nobody what? left for two hours. I swear it's a true story. Nobody left. All of a sudden, went and walks out, Marcus Roberts, Reginald Veal and Herlin Riley quartet. And I thought it was going to be a classical concert. I was not expecting. And so for the next two hours, I'm like, oh, that's what, that's jazz. And it just, you know, wow. Just to experience it and feel it and be like, for two hours, like, what? The? So I went up and I said, Herlin, or Mr. Mar- you know, Riley, 
what are those little brushy things? I've seen them, but like, you know, I had the plastic version. He's like, oh man, it's just this, man. He's like, clap, just use a washer windshield, bro. Just do this. And he showed me, he said, you should come to New Orleans and live and, and I can, I can kind of get you started. And, and went and walked by at that very moment. This is after the show. So we're on like a case, the bass drum's in. We're playing on top of a hard case. Remember those hard cases? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The little thing. Yeah. So and it, it said uh, it said a Mod Jamal on it because he was playing with a Mod. Perlin had just got off the road. And I just remember that. And I just remember thinking like, oh, this is this is really cool. And, and, and he, he was so encouraging. And right then went and said, say, bro. And he like hit me on the head, like back of the head. You know, we had a little friendship already. <laughs> he said, he said, bro, you should go study with my daddy. He's starting to teach at UNO this year. I was like. Oh, and so that was really? it. My life went. My life went spit because I was wow. going to man. Yeah, I was going to Manhattan school to do classical and do the thing and be a rock drummer. I was going to be, you know, Rush. I was yeah, take yeah. Neil's place. Yeah, of kick, course. Kick Neil off the stool. Right, but uh, <laughs> he he lucked out. He, he, he dodged a bullet. So um, <laughs> that's awesome. So dude. I went there and bro, I'm going to tell you something, man. I had to unlearn everything I'd ever learned about playing music. Like everything i had to back up turn it around and and look at it like oh and how old were you at this point 19 wow dude do you realize how lucky and i say lucky there's no luck involved in a lot of this stuff people just like man you're lucky and i'm like hey man uh luck has a lot to do with it but you know exactly dude but man at 19 i remember i i remember the i mean because everybody has their like moment you know what I mean? Yeah, they have their right. moment where it's this realization thing of, man, all this stuff I've been doing up to this point, maybe that's not what is going to, you know, maybe that's not right. what's going to have any sort of longevity in this thing. And you meet cats like Marsalis, you meet all this stuff and you go like, man, those guys are doing it this way. And they're actually professional musicians. They're not pop stars yeah. or not rock stars. Yeah. And there's no, nothing against any right. of that because, I mean, it takes no, work to do yeah. it all. But the thing being... When you have that realization point, man, at, 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 mine was at like, mine was at maybe 25, 26. Okay. So for you at 19, that's, yeah. that's good. You almost had a jump, you know, anyway, carry on. I no, mean man, to I want to hear about your story too, man. Um, but anyway, so that was number one. Number two was hurling. <laughs> Remember those big old vans with the big thing on top? They're like. Thousand, thirty thousand yeah. pounds. I'm gonna pick, pick you up, clap. And um, they were called conversion vans, weren't they? Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and you know, probably, he probably got one mile per gallon. Thing. And uh, I just remember it smelling like, like, um, just real like homey and family inside. And just like, you know, those cloth seats you can't find anymore. <laughs> yeah, they had like smell. some of them had like shag yeah. carpet in them, man. Like, yeah, li- they're yeah, like your yeah, living room, orange <laughs> shag carpet. It, <laughs> yes. orange, it was orange and tan. And uh, and I said, I said, yeah, man. Uh, he said, just bring a snare drum and a belt, because I didn't know what a strap for a snare drum was. And he said, bring some sticks. And um, so, bro, yeah, Stanley Stevens, the drummer um, from Preservation Hall, had passed away. And this was, I had been there a year, and this was the summertime of that year. So, dude, it was like sweltering. I mean. Oh yeah, early June. And Stanley and I became really good friends because Ellis Marcel said, "This is my old drummer. You need to go listen to him and get to know him." So that was a university in itself. Listening, watching, you know, right? Danny Barker, dude. Danny. Barker. And so, and and explain to the people who Ellis is. Okay, Ellis Marcel is the father of Wenton and Branford and Delphio and Jason, and they have a son named Boya. He's got, um, he's a special needs kid. He has, uh, uh, what is it not? Autism. He's autistic, yeah, and yeah, then they have another son, Ellis Senior, who's a writer. Okay. So this family and his wife, um, Doris, her family was extremely educated, extremely successful New Orleans family, and Ellis and her just made this powerhouse of an intellectual, musical, artistic yet very loving family. That I was able to go into their house on Hickey Street, eighty-three eighteen, bro, and just <laughs> go and go into where his little studio is and. And have Jason say, hey, man, check out this Vince Guaraldi record. Cast, cast your fate to the wind and just be like, dude, you know, like, you know, like an education. Mm. And Jason was like, he's probably 14. And so I just kind of they kind of took me under the wing. It was super nice and helped me out. And but 
on this day, uh, Herlin and Shannon, bro. I mean, it was Shannon Powell, Herlin Riley. If you hadn't heard of those guys, drummers, Shannon Powell, check him out. Lofty's Roach Souffle, Harry Cotton Jr. Tree. He's the dude. And then Herlin Riley. Um, they started shooting. Like, I was like, you know, and so I'm sitting there rushing it, and Herlin just went like this. He went, stop playing, clap. And just, just stop me. Stop me. He said, just, just follow us. So for an hour, we did that. Got in front of the house at a really slow tempo with all these musicians from everybody. Wendell Bruni is to, man, God, I mean, everybody. Um, anybody who ever knew Stanley, which is the musical community. So not only do I see people that I would learn to know later as musicians, all dress up, spent their hot ass Saturday afternoon celebrating this dude's life in front of his house. And Benji, this was the moment to change my life. I thought funk was funk until I saw Herlin and Shannon with the bass drum and the snare drum circling in front of his house because his mom was too big to come out. And she was just dying. I mean, tears. And everybody was either really happy or really sad. There was no middle ground. Right. The spiritual aspect, you could almost see the density of the spirit of the groove, you know, because it's called the groove, the king of the groove, man. This was so funky, bro. And my my jaw, first time I saw Hurl was wanting, but then when I saw Hurl and playing for a New Orleans drummer in front of his house with with Hurl's on the bass drum, because, you know, the stronger, older cat always plays the bass drum. It was like, shot down, God, shot it, bam! I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> Damn, oh, you know, like, damn, like, you know, for a 10 minutes, like, oh, and then they stopped. I was just, like, exhausted. I was like, that's what it's about. So about five years later, later, after I'd done 100 funerals, I finally got it. It finally stuck one day. I was like, that's how you play it. And I would practice it, and I would sound like a little, you know, college kid. Like, it took me, finally, I just let go of myself and be like, dude, it's all about the fours, you one, and then if people aren't dancing. It just took... Me living through it and failing and watching a million, you know, yeah. Nick Payton and all these super bad New Orleans, studying with Walter Payton on the road, unofficially on the bandstand with Leroy Jones playing. And he'd be like, no, 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 do this. And you do that. And you're like, oh, okay. It was just, you know, an oral tradition that was filtered into your brain. It's like, wow. And then so I learned touch, feel, patience, groove. And, but at the same time, I was hanging with like, the modern jazz scene so you know right that kind of pulled me and that's how i moved to new york to brooklyn and got all that came back and i was subbing for hurling lincoln center jazz orchestra which was unbelievably uh, say that say that to everybody again you were subbing for him I, I at, the, for at, her- at the at the what again say that the jazz and was it jazz at lincoln center the jazz at lincoln center, center. Okay. Yeah, you got super bad cats, Sherman Irby, and Wynton sitting right here by the drums. I'm like, really, bro? Seriously? So I'm just subbing. <laughs> I'm not even doing it. I mean, just, right. you know, again, getting my butt kicked as a big band drummer. And just, you know, Herlin has been one of those angels, bro, that just touches people's lives. Right. And so I think this is key. We were we were at Donna's one night, which is kind of like an Elm Street lounge in Greensboro, but yeah. much more in New Orleans. And uh, two things happened. I, I heard Shannon Powell take a cowbell and put the stick inside the cowbell and grooved everybody out for 10 minutes, just the cowbell. Wow. Just the cowbell. You know, I think Doug Belote might have been there that night. But uh, and then the other time, I, I, I literally <laughs> saw Herlin save a dude's life. The dude turned purple. And Herlin went over and put ice on him and, and like lifted him up. It was just like, man, this dude. I think the thing is that... I gained most was the community spirit of being a drummer. Right. You know, be be about the community, man, not yourself. Not right. Your groove or, you know, sometimes right. I have little bouts with people where to put the beat, how to put the beat. And that's not, and Herlon just, well, he'd be like, man, wherever they start the tune, do your best to stay there. Right. You know, play with confidence and play like a man or if you're a woman, play like a woman. Do you and play great time, not good time it's like practice great time but then he's like clap at the end of the day you've got to enjoy yourself because people are watching you do it like, yeah That's man the key. and the enjoyment of it lets all that self 
stuff go. And then as a believer in, in God, I'm like, it's just not me. It's just his gift flowing through me. And you just let that flow. Then it's not selfish. Right. And when yeah. you when you just said, you've said it, the, you, you, you've said the same phrase in the past 10 minutes. You just came back to it. And I was going to come back to, I was going to come back to it myself and say, because it becomes about whatever your version of letting go is. Right. You know what right. I mean? And, it, and, and when you let go, it's like you take all the stuff, like you learn and you learn and you learn and you learn. And then you take all that learning and you think that all these things that you've learned that you have to like actively, forcefully apply them to something. Well, yeah, I did this. Right. I, did the, I was taught this, right. so I have to do yeah. this here and this is what goes. Right. And it's like right. you have to be able to – you have to be – I mean, you call it go with the flow. You call it letting go of whatever. But the first thing you do have to do, man, is you have to let go of that yeah. – all that preconceived stuff, and you, and and I mean, you have you kind you have to know that stuff, and you have to learn it. But yeah, you almost yeah, you have, have to, to know the information, yeah. right? Yeah. And well, the, yeah. well, and another thing that you said too, man, is that you had to at nineteen unlearn so many yeah. things that yeah. you had learned. I had to be like, no, no, yeah, no, because no. I never had an older person tell me. It was always my peers, right? Be like, play louder, man. You know, or like. And play like Bonham. You're like, well, how? <laughs> yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. But but what her, what one thing is, man, is, uh, you know, bro, music, it's like, it's exactly like driving a car. You're going to get in your car and you're going here. You can get in the car and be pissed off how everybody else is driving and try to control it. Or, and by the time you get there, you're mad. Or you can just get in your car and let everything bounce off you and just enjoy the ride. You're going to get there anyway, you know? And just be positive, man. Just yeah, yeah. Just, just feel your, get your own groove, and and then let the band come to you. Sometimes, and sometimes you come to the band. Depends on, but even great players have their issue. Everybody has their issue because they're human beings. Right. Everybody right. has control issues or insecurity issues or no vision issues, you know, or overly visionary oh, issues. Oh my God, man. Yeah. Oh, Dude, yeah, that's not right. You know, come like, on. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if anywhere it becomes prevalent, it's definitely the studio. I mean, oh, it totally. magnify, magnifies your, your goods and bads. That's why I think all drummers should just hire a band, hire your peers, go record just for the sake of. Oh yeah. Failing. You're going to fail. Open, well, and, and be, be open to the, and, and be uh, literally i just was getting ready to say you were just saying be open like you have to be yeah. you have to go in and like when i'm in my when i'm in this is my controlled environment in here you know when i'm in this controlled environment and we're cutting records and i know how things should sound in a certain way you have to be willing if you're a player and you're in an ensemble you have to be willing to listen to yourself do something that's not maybe too becoming that as it comes right. out of the speakers and then adjust yourself instead yeah. of that's the only way I know how to do it. And I'm just going to stand up and try to be a badass and try to say, that's the way right. it goes. And it's like, you got to hear your Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. And you have, do you have to hear, you got to hear your own mistakes and, no, and no, adjust no. to them or you're not learning anything. And yeah. dude, there's guys that, you know, there's guys that are in there, you know, I'm, I'm 53. There's guys that are my age that come in here to play drums and they have just played that way for 40 yeah. years. Yeah. And I try to, I try to adjust things and I try to say, can you, can you hear, can you hear that? You know, not just drummers, but I mean, you know, right. every kind Everybody. of musician. And I'm like, can you kind of hear the, that's the way that that kind of needs to go. And, it, it, it's like they don't want to hear it and that becomes they like don't. a personal thing like that's their well, personality and then you you said you know they're human beings and then you have to then you sort of have to get into the human aspect of who they are and why they're the player that they are and then i'm just like man and then that's why studio guys get called because i don't right. have to hold i don't listen, have to hold those guys hands bro, and listen, say let's man. have a talk about right. humanity you know it's like can See, you just play <laughs> You know, either you're a teachable spirit or you're not. There's, there's, oh, there's no, you yeah, know, you're teachable. Dude. Like, I'll be honest, man. Recently, I've had some stuff in the studio. And then I look back, I'm like, man, was I being teachable? Was I being stubborn? Was I being like, you know, was I being, felt like I was being led and I got defensive? And the answer was yes. Like, I, I, I would hear myself and it was sounding good to me, but it wasn't what they wanted. Right. You know, and they could have called a Doug Belote or a Steve Gadd or a, a, a Terrence Higgins or a Zigaboo, somebody that's just straight funkier than I am. 
because I always have to have a second line because that's how I came into being funky. Right. Or my version of funky. I mean, you know. Right. I'm right. No, I'm no. I'm no. I'm not. I'm, I just do what I do. Oh and please. Well, and that's, and that's what you should do. And so, well, but then there's times when you can't do what you do. Like you're saying, and just be like this guy, and and that <laughs> is one of my weak points. And so, at, at 50 years old, even though I look like 30, thank you very much. That's um, right. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I still have a way to go. And literally this morning, I'm in there. I went to the Dollar Tree to get a, a remember those nine volt batteries? Oh, I still I, got a, I still got a physical metronome for my dad. So I put that on. And I was like, click, with the you know, comes in in there, like click, click, you know, yeah. And so I, Herlin said, man, go to 90, go to 87, 93, and, and be able to drag, push, and pull every one. And he's like, really tighten up. And bro, I was. It was like, man, I gotta really work on my time still. Like, man, it, yeah, because you know, I, I would, I would, I'm a pusher. I, you know, I'm like, I'm a storyteller, and that's how what jazz is. But Steely Dan ain't a storyteller, dude. That, no, right? <laughs> Asia's right here, dude. <laughs> you know, yeah. So, and I love the click. I love a click track, and every drummer listening should practice to a click, and practice to music without a click, and practice playing behind right on and ahead of the beat. Yeah. Any idiom, no matter what idiom, reggae, funk, James Brown, whatever it is, be uncomfortable, be comfortable, be a little, a little back uncomfortable. Like that's, and then that emotion when you're playing, you'll, you'll understand, oh man, I'm a little ahead. Let me get back here. Or, you know, that's why the hips are so important when you play drummers. Drummers, listen to this. Your hips, it should come from you out, not from the drums back to you. You know, if you're playing from the drums back to you, it's game over already. Then you're going to be the feeler guy. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I totally know, to... know what you're saying. Yeah. I, I, I totally know what you're saying. Yep. Yeah, so I do, man. That's all I got. That's all information I have, Ben. Oh, please. <laughs> so been nice talking to you, bro. <laughs> right. Woo! I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> I'm going to drop the cup. <laughs> uh, Dude. But, I mean, you, let me ask you a question, man. What – um, what is one thing, because I know you got to hold your tongue a lot in the booth, and, you know, creative, well, creative process yeah. is happening. Yeah. What is it that you see over and over that, that drummers do that totally, one, make it happen, and number two, totally make it not happen, that you could wish you could just, you know, because like, thing is something you see? One thing that I see in the studio um, – as far as making it happen is that like if we're that to me there has to be in a, in a band situation as far as not just even tempo but the tunes there has to be a, a, a there has to be a, a leader role and there has to be a follower role and the a lot of times what I see is I see and and it, and and it can be it can be years of practicing bad habits. It can be a kid that's 16 or 17 that's just learning how to play or 15 mm-hmm. or it can be a guy that's 50, you know, that's my age that mm-hmm. has either been practicing bad habits this whole time, but right. I will see musicians in general, not just drummers, but every musician and drummers too, I will see them follow other people when they should be leading. Oh wow other people through even sections of songs and when you get to the fact that it's about a drummer drummers are the majority of the time they are not used to they are not used to following but yet keeping straight time if they're if they're following unfortunately they're normally following somebody that's rushing or or that or that their tempo is like this yeah and so it makes them sound like their tempo is bad instead of leading through that section and and that's the and and that kind of breaks down to to like a band scenario like say it's a band scenario say it's a band that comes in here and there's five guys or five girls or whatever and they all they all they've all been playing together but no one is the leader Ah, yeah and, and, and everyone is afraid to either ask to be the leader or they're afraid to tell someone, you just lead through this section right, because yeah. then you know, it becomes an ego thing. And, yeah, oh. and that's where the personalities, like you're talking about, the, the, the personal aspect of all this stuff, because it comes out in your playing. And it's, an, and it's unfortunate most of the time that it comes out in the playing because I can hear, 
I can hear the tune that this guy wrote and he's playing guitar on it and he's plowing through it and everybody else follow and I'm not listening to anyone else. This is how the tune goes. Follow me. And sometimes that's good. But if that guy's tempo is horrible and the drummer's following him, then that's not good. And I, I see that when I get drummers on a click, the, they don't know how to follow a click because all they've ever learned is everybody follows me, no matter if I play fast or I play slow or I rush through a fill or whatever. So it's weird to me because I, to me, when I play, if I play to a click and I put a click on, I've been working on some stuff last week with uh, Tim. You remember, you met Tim, uh, my buddy Tim Heisman, drummer, black beard, long black hair. Came oh, yeah, 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 Tim, yeah. Right. right. And yeah, so Tim and I have been working on some stuff and we've been doing it like some stuff of mine but i just said look man this is the limited time that we have tim said i got lunch from 11 to 12. so this is the way that i this is the way that me as a as a as a studio musician and as a writer and as an arranger this is how Mm -hmm. fast and you know too man when you're on sessions this is how fast things have to go sometimes is that i tim will come over he will have lunch from 11 to 12. and he will get here about 1105 and he will leave at 1150 and when he does, we have a tune a, hacked out, arranged, and tracked to a click in that amount of time. And it's granted, it's something that I've just come up with, but all that baggage of how to play and all that stuff goes out the window because there's this big, ambiguous thing that's like, that, it's not really ambiguous. It's, it, it, it's all about the song. It's not about my guitar playing. It's right. not about all this stuff. And it's not about the drumming. It's not about showing off. It's not about any, it's about we have this amount of time and this song is cu- and it sounds so metaphysical and so weird coming from a very rock is, standpoint. Though. But it is. It is. And the song well, rock, is rock is just as metaphysical as any music. It's just a different way of playing. Yeah. You know, when, when I listen to Losing It by Rush off of Signals, I'm like, that's great music. It's yeah, dude. Very ethereal, very emotional. I still get the same. You know, I think what you're saying, too, I think a lot of musicians have the gift of, of just really stepping up when you have the pressure of 55 minutes or 45 minutes. We just say, you know what? It's got to get done. Yeah. And, you know, looking back. And the my thing is, any musician, if you're a musician, you should always play another instrument and practice to a metronome with that. Instrument. Oh, my God. Hallelujah. And so amen. if I do guitar or piano, dude, I get back on the drums. I'm a musician. Versus if I just play the drums, I'm a drummer. There's a big difference. Dude, there's a guy There's a guy from Raleigh. His name's Terry Anderson. And Terry is a great songwriter. He wrote he, his, uh, I think one of his, I mean, he's had some big, some big hits. He played in a, he played in a band that I played with years ago, man. And he... Not, YMCA? I mean, not, not in, YMCA? not in the, huh? Why is he? You're so bad. I knew I knew it, You're so bad. I knew it, bro. I'm the guy, which one of the guys had a mohawk in the village? I people? Can't was that me? I know you had, the, I think you were the, uh, I know, I'm just kidding. I love YMCA. <laughs> I love anything, anything disco is awesome. Because disco is just like, screw it, man. It, we're just going to play some music and dance. So, know? dude, I watched this guy play at a gig, and he's the drummer, but then he was the singer. But then he's like, yeah, I'm a songwriter, and I do this. And I, wow. he was one of the best drummers I had ever seen because dude. he played drums for right. the song. If he had written it on guitar, right. he wasn't. The drums yeah. Drums were not the only thing that he had to express his yeah. musical you know, communication. You know let me stop you right there, man. That is a great point. And I would say something. Neil Peart never would have been Neil without being a lyricist. Because if you just track Neil by himself, it is not that great a drumming. It's actually where he's putting the beat in the music. It's perfect. Yeah. But if you had to play with another band, you know, I mean, he's no Gadsden, man. Gadsden, you know, you just, that's the difference between, what's his name? LeVon Helms. I mean, oh yeah, dude. Dude, I could yeah. not, or Stevie Stevie Wonder playing behind Stevie Wonder. It's like, oh, couldn't have done that. Wouldn't have thought about that. You know, just perfect. Yeah. And you're adjusting like what like with Levon yeah. Helm. You're adjust he's adjusting his drumming according to his vocals and vice versa. And and it's really hard to get another fun. musician to adjust their playing yeah. to to what you're playing on your instrument, no matter what your yeah. instrument is, is if it's guitar or bass or vocals. And there's this weird thing of like 
knowing how, you know, like, like bass players and drummers, you know, uh, normally want to work together and <laughs> normally, normally you know, normally, <laughs> yeah, on a That's good night, goal. on a good yeah. night. Well, man, when Charlie starts singing when we're playing, I'm like, okay, I'm cool. I'm there. I'm there. Just do not move. <laughs> Because, you know, he's comfortable. But when he's not singing, it's like, oh, here we go. It's always about me adjusting because – or sometimes when I just leave, he loves it. It depends on, you know. Right. That's interesting. Yeah, that's why Blade's so great because he's a composer and a singer, you know. And he yeah. sings. He plays guitar. So when he's playing with Lanois or Nora or whoever – so tell about. everybody who you, I, 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 you and I know who you're talking about. Tell everybody quickly oh, okay. who, you're, who you're talking Blade, about. You know, yeah. and a lot of cats don't know this about Brian. He basically single-handedly. This is he may disagree, but he basically brought um, uh, Joni Mitchell out of retirement. Man, really, he was such a big fan. And then if you see them play together, you just see a, a musician who's playing the drums who understands how to landscape underneath the vocals and understands giving her what she needs. And he yeah. does it for Joshua Redman. He does it for his music. And and I've always really enjoyed that uh, storytelling of Brian's. And I tell Brian this all the time. Like, Man, you're such a huge influence on a lot of things. And, and, and he'll say the same thing, but I think it's kind of like when your wife tells you your cooking is good. She's just like, oh, it's great. You know, but you know that <laughs> I probably didn't influence that dude. We just grew up together in New Orleans and saw all the same cats and listened to a lot of uh, Vernell Fournier. You know, right. which drummers, <laughs> Vernell is a very accessible beat because it's not slick and super high technical level like a Philly Joe. Right. Right here. And it's just almost a military type of, like, it's right in the middle. So if you're a drummer and you play whatever, if you can get to some Vernell, you'll understand how to play in the trio. And it's kind of a secret unlocking of how to play with the rhythm section. You know? Okay. And Ellis, Ellis Marsalis wrote a thesis for his college doctorate on how to play in the rhythm section versus how to play in the trio. It's two different things. Get out. Totally two different ways of playing. Wow. So when I play with, or whoever plays with the organ trio, you're this. But when you're playing behind the horns, you're more like, you know, you're more support. It's just a different way of thinking conceptually. Right. Uh, which makes to me the drums are the eternal school. You never get there. You know? Right. Steve Gadd, man. Steve Gadd with Paul. It's like, you know, Simon Garfield, right? That getting there. Like, wow. Or what was the other drummer that played on Asia? What was his name? Oh, dude, Steve I have Gadd. no idea. I have no was, idea. What's the uh, other? I, was, was it J Jabo Starks? I think maybe. I don't know. We'll have to Google uh, it. Anyway, that that record to me, those drums are just you know, ah, God, it's just hard. It's hard to play so thematically, and you're constructing a symphony of rhythm and not just a drum beat. Right. So many people. Yeah. Anyway, I'll shut up. That's. That, no, dude, I don't want you to. I don't want you to shut yeah. up. I want you to keep yeah. talking, man. So to me, drums are colors and textures, and they're rhythms, but they're also grooves. But they're also when you swirl them all together, that's the most fun, right? You're, you know, because when you actually dance on, a, you're just dancing. That there's no more freer action you can do as a human being than dancing, right? To, no one's governing you. You're just doing your thing i won't i won't demonstrate right now but you know what i'm saying it, it's same thing on your instrument when you're doing the thing you just you know there's no you're not thinking about it bro that's where you're like wow this is why I continue to be a musician and when you mentioned it's funny that you talk about dancing as far as from an aspect of like an audience or or or, or whatever but watching you play as a drummer and you talked about hips and you talked about how all that moves there's so many drummers that I watch, man, and they're 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 stiff, and everything radiates out from here, you know, like oh, yeah. a like a like a like a T Rex, and it's like they're controlling, they're too controlling. Yeah, and I watch you play, and I watch how much movement your whole body has to do to get to certain things, and it's really yeah. it's really weird to it, it's really weird to dissect something like that if you're not, especially if you're not a drummer. But all it takes is really sitting down behind a drum kit a couple of times and, and, and realizing how hard it is to play, but then to actually get to all the stuff that you're doing and make it seem seamless and make it seem well, like it's flowing. 
you know? Because I'm thinking of who's dancing and what they're doing while I'm doing it. Because when you're playing second line, you're not going flat. You're just, is this person dancing? Right. If they're not, I'm going to try to do something simpler. And then, okay, now they're dancing. I'm going to stick with that. Okay. That's really where I'm coming from, man. And James Black, the New Orleans drummer, uh, if you haven't heard him, you got to get the classic Ellis Marsalis in 64. Um, he would talk about the cymbals and drums don't matter who plays them. They're just going to respond to your energy. You know? And your microphones are going to pick up that energy. And then it's going to go into the sound. So whatever your intent is, that's going to be your content. So let's work on drummers' intentions of playing for people to dance and move and shake their ass. That's why you're a drummer. Yes. You know, you're not yes. doing talking drums to like call people into dinner like they actually do still. And I've seen it done. <laughs> right. I've been to Africa. I see, I've, I've studied with master talking drum players. I'm like, bro, I don't have that long to learn that. Cause that's like a, it's like playing the real gym band. You right. cat, cat's hands are like permanently like, it's like, I don't, I want to get what I can from that, but I'm still an American dude. So I'm just going to apply it as best I can globally on the drum set and not think of the drums as a drum set, I think of the snare drum as a talking drum. The bass drum is like a deeper Brazilian. Right. Make it global. And then make yeah. the cymbals a shaker, a tambourine. Or, that way it's not like, you know, hi-hat, snare drum, bass drum. So, ah, yeah, you know. see, that's so important too, man, is that like you just talking about the different elements of a kit and saying, you know, make your make your cymbals a shaker, make your hat. And it, yeah. dude, it's so hard to break guys brains out of that because like you said a bass drum is a bass drum a snare drum is whatever and it's like not really man like i uh, so many Look, of you guys once i got a drum is that yeah that's a snare drum that's some people that's a snare drum yeah the clap yeah <laughs> that's a snare drum and then think tight tight versus you know i know i know <laughs> it man. makes it it simplifies your whole game it you know, and, and you got to know the historical lineage of the groove from New Orleans to, you know, Brazil, Caribbean, Africa, and then the harmonies of Irish, you know, you just have to understand the history. And too many guys get caught up and they stop at jazz. Oh, man. Bro, <laughs> that is such a small sphere of music and, and Indian chant, Gregorian chant, and yeah. classical, Bach. Corrals. Like you have to know music, man. And Branford told me one time, he said, man, whenever I'm doing a tour or, something, or whatever, I came on what he said. He said, I always listen to something opposite of what I'm going to do. So uh, yeah, dude. Yes. So when I come to see, play with you and Charlie at the thing, I'm not listening to funk music. I am listening to something very wide and open and big. So when I get in there, I'm not in my head. I'm just like, hey, this is what I sound like today. <laughs> right, right, right. It's very fresh. It's very real, and it keeps me on my toes. Well, sometimes and it doesn't work every time. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, but wow! But you know, so I say, love me, man. And man, so many of you cats that, that I'm working with now in that circle uh, that I haven't worked with so much before in the past. Like I've been doing this in this town 20 years, man. So I worked with a lot of the same people in the town and then you guys come rolling through and I do a lot of records with you what I see that's really cool to me and I've known it for a long time but it's really hard to it's really hard to convey the idea and the information to all drummers is that it, the 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 gear and the kit it, it, when we talked about this earlier it, it it's not that it doesn't matter but I watch you guys roll in with a kick and a snare and m maybe a floor tom if I'm lucky and, and just completely mow the house yeah. down with Dude. the knowledge of what you're playing. And it's not about how many pieces I have and what my options are. Can you take that oh, kick yeah. and that snare and that hat and that floor time or possibly a ride? Maybe not. And can you make it happen with that? Yeah. And the thing is you guys can make it happen with, with less than that. And yeah. that yeah. to me is what I talk to a lot of drummers about, you know, young drummers and even, like I said, older drummers that'll come in here. And it's really hard to get that mentality out. And I'm just like, dude, you yeah. need to strip it back to nothing. You got yeah. too many options. Bro, you we know? had to play bass drum, snare drum, hi-hat cymbal for a year in New Orleans. Everybody, did. it was just an unspoken oh, rule. awesome. I mean, Blade, Martin Butler, and Donald Edwards, 
any drummer, Jason Marcel, you would go into any coffee shop, not like, you know, the, the club, you use the whole thing. Right. I would see drummers levitate the whole bandstand with just that and just groove. You'd be like, okay, it's all here. It's all here yeah. coming out. You're just, that is just an extension of your creative spirit, mind, and brain. That's all the instrument is. Yeah. And once you realize that, all that other crap. Now, I've been playing a four piece. It was one that I remember. I don't, you know, there's so many timbers in just that, you know. Oh, yeah, dude. Plenty. Yeah, so, like yeah. all the options are, too many yeah. options are there sometimes. Yeah. And if you look, and I don't mean to, you know, get up on Neil's nutsack, but if you really look at <laughs> Neil's kit, it's a, it's a four piece kit with other shit all around it. But if you break it down, he's just right here all the time. Right. That's his nucleus. Right. You know? Right. And so John Bonham too. John Bonham. Man. Oh yeah, dude. Especially man. You know, but yeah, if, if you should challenge a drummer, Hey man, I got a bass drum for you. I got a snare drum. Someone <laughs> hi hat. Charlie would love that if that's all cats brought in, bro. Oh my be, god, he would, you know. Oh, and I know. know. And like normally, if I like say Charlie comes in here, speaking of guys that play other that play drums that play other instruments, say he comes in here to do drums on something which he has, mm, and he's I have a regular four piece kit set up. The first thing he starts doing is taking shit off of it. I just break it all down. He's like, I, I don't need all this stuff, and yeah, I'm like, oh, yeah. oh, okay. And then when you when you when you realize that the that the that the objective is the time and the feel, it's not yeah. how many drums can I hit in this competition of drumming, you know. And and I try to really break it down to that with guys that if I take all your shit away, you you shouldn't that that should right. not hurt your feelings. You should just go okay and just be able to do it on whatever's yeah. sitting there and. All the good guys, Thank you. you and everybody else that comes Thank in, you. man, that plays, that just floors me when I watch you guys play and when I listen to you play and when I record you, you. It, it, it's, it, it, it is that. It's, it's that that I just kind of come back to that, like you said, you have to unlearn. You have to unlearn so many stuff. And I mean, man, and if they just gave you a kick and a hat, you'd be like, all right. I mean, honestly, it's like you would yeah. make it happen and figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, yeah, you have to. Man, Doug Below, perfect example. Oh, those drummers. Oh, that's all they need, bro. Yeah. And actually, I've seen drummers do brushes based on a snare. And I've done many gigs myself like that. And I give all the praise to New Orleans cats. And, you know, like other cats, I've seen other cats play on small kits. It's like, man, are you really hearing all those drums? Is that really what you're hearing? Just, you know, I feel like Ginger Baker probably was hearing all that stuff because that. You know, that band. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, Neil Peart, yeah, he's hearing all that. Stuart Copeland, yes, he's a reggae drummer that plays rock. So he's got to have some stuff. You right. Know, but, man, right. Is that, but what's it, Gary Clark Jr.? You know that dude? Oh, the guitar player. Yeah, Eric was yeah, just. I was his, talking to. I was dude, talking to Eric this past weekend, man. and I I texted oh, Eric about. I texted oh. Eric about something, and he's like, "Me and Ladonna are hanging out with Gary Clark and Austin this weekend." Man. I was like, "Oh, okay, that's cool." I would love that gig because that drummer is killing. He just four piece Freddy all day long. Yeah, man. Dude. I don't know his name, but dude, big hair. I love that. Cat. Such a vintage it's, vibe too, man. That whole wow. that whole thing has a vibe to it. And vibe, vibe, man, that's one word that we haven't mentioned in this whole thing is vibe. Like if you show up and you know this is a this is a 60s Motown vibe, you know what to take. You know how to play when you walk in the door. You know what to do, and you also know what not to do. What not to do. Thank you. That's, yeah. That's what this podcast should be called, what not to do. Oh. <laughs> I can Drummers, change. what not to do. I swear, man. I swear. Well, um, yeah. man – before my batteries and stuff start running out, I, let's okay. talk about what you're doing right now and and your 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 lesson thing that you're doing, and just throw okay. me some website information. Okay. And I'm gonna yeah. pop your uh, and I'm gonna Thank pop you, your website up here on the screen. So when we run this thing on YouTube, um, yes, sir. People tubes, can see the that. The YouTube's. Hey, I go on YouTube's. <laughs> so so where uh. so so if people want to study with Jeff Clapp and they want to mm. all this knowledge we've been talking about. If they want to tap into that, how can they get to you and, okay. and tell me it's that real info? Okay, easy. Clapperdapper at gmail.com. Or i even give you my phone number because I don't care. 917-674-1170. And, you know, because you can always block me. But, uh, <laughs> but I also, what I'm doing now, I just is I'm releasing a trio record pretty soon with Peter Martin and Ruben Rogers and Nick Payton on Rhodes and Trumpet. You did and, that a uh, while back, right? 
Yeah, right before COVID in New Orleans. Bro. Dude, like, do you know how many records are coming out of here now that were done yeah. a year and a half ago? Crazy. Man, that, yeah, bro. And that was fun. We did all that stuff with Charlie in there before that, too. That was fun I swear. as crap. I swear. Okay, man. so that, and I would love to be, I'm, I'm really my heart of hearts would love to get into the Nashville Christian world. Not the goofy stuff, but the real stuff. Right. Like we the Kingdom, Carrie Joe, you mercy me. Like the real artists, musicians that I have a big heart for that that music. Right. Also, I would love to do overdubs. I have my studio set up for overdubbing. Much better than last time we did. I actually have a Hey, old, yeah. And, 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 that, I, and that's that, what I do. I love overdubs. And that same and I, email address, if anybody wants Jeff to play on anything, Jeff has done some stuff for me. Yeah. It, being in Texas now, he was here in North Carolina and close around and could just come right in. But now that he's further apart, if I need him to play on something, I'm like, man, that's got a clap. That's got a dapper groove to it. And, huh. and I want him to play on something. Then what I'll do is send him the reference track and the click and all yep. that and sends me the tracks back. And that's kind of the way we work on a lot of stuff in here is almost like I call it like correspondence. You know, yeah. it's like it's correspondence fun. drumming. It's so fun. And it's cool. So if you guys are interested in Mr. Jeff Clap on your stuff or interested in any lessons, Anything. all of that. Uh, Singer, songwriter, funk, rock, I don't care. Yeah. It's all, quarter, it's all quarter note to me. But Benji, I want to tell you, I got a new MacBook and I'm doing digital pro now versus performer light. So it's just so much deeper. Oh, good. Yeah, so Good. then I have more microphones from FC, and it's just a better setup. So. That's great, man. Well, and I, it's funny, man. Are you ready for this? You just said from SE, and I know that Jeff has an endorsement with uh, – he has an endorsement with SE mics, but what's that's funny is if, you, is if you look, I'll hold this up to my camera. That's right, that's Vic my, Firth. That's my, that's, my, uh, that's my Vic Firth lanyard that uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, standing with, uh, I'm standing with Jeff one day. So we're yeah. talking about something after we had first met, and he's got this box, and he cracks it open, and he says, <laughs> hey, man, you want some stuff? And I was like, what, what do you got? And he's like, oh, all this stuff Vic Firth sent me, man. I'm an endorser for them, and they just send me all this stuff. And he's got a box full of sticks and stickers and magnets and lanyards and all this great stuff. And Thank I was you, like, Vic yeah, Firth. dude. Yeah. So I swear to you, yeah. I have had – this lanyard in my pocket with my studio keys on it for two years now because of the dapper so well, man i appreciate you so much and i tell you every time i get to work with you in earth tones i learn so much as what you do because i'm really interested and how you guys think now? Well, you probably learn. You, do. you probably a learn a lot. Of, you probably, yeah. I was gonna say you probably learn a lot of what you're not supposed. Oh to no, no, no! no. I, I meant like <laughs> respectfully what you decide not to say and let happen. Oh it's man. Like, okay, I have no idea what you're doing in the magic fingers with the Yoda booth. I, I'm not even trying to get there. <laughs> the no, magic fingers with the Yoda. That's crazy. But uh, it's interesting how you mic stuff and where you put your mics, and you know. And how we put Charlie in the in the in the corner because he's bad. Totally you know? should put him in the corner every session. Yeah. If anybody's yeah. ever got Charlie Hunter on a session, just put him put him in the put smallest the room you have possible, yeah. and he'll yeah. you know he'll continue to play, but he'll yeah. bitch less. No, I'm just kidding. And then he loves <laughs> he loves to listen to really awful. really out jazz. Put some really out jazz on him. All day. It's not swinging. <laughs> Dude, he loves he it. Comes in the he's other day. Favorite. I swear he to you, it. he came in for he came <laughs> in for a session the other day. You're ready to laugh. You're gonna cry, man. I need to put you on split right. screen when I tell you this. He comes in. He comes in the other day, and and he uh, and and he walks in, and there's something in my control room playing on shuffle. I had something. I either had something oh, on man. YouTube on shuffle or something. Yeah. I was out here setting up, and the control room is in there. And so he um, he he comes in, and he pulls me aside, and he's kind of got this look on his face, and he says, <laughs> and he says, and he says, and he says, uh, dude, I was gonna pull you aside, and I was gonna ask you what this most awful shit was that you were playing and what this contrived <laughs> what this contrived jazz was like the coming out of your speakers and then I looked and I I saw that I actually know these guys and I play with them <laughs> <laughs> and I was like oh, I was, uh, I was, I was wow. and he said so I didn't say anything <laughs> yeah he's, he's in a lot of camps he's oh, in a lot of camps it's hilarious Bro, man yeah I mean I sometimes I'll drive up and I'll just have the loudest jazz playing just because I know it's going to annoy him you know, <laughs> you know I don't care I don't care 
Okay. Charlie just, oh, dude. But he's such a great, I mean, he was jazzing it out on Sam's stuff. I was like, this cat's so bad. Oh, he's dude, so ridiculous. Bad. And that's where and that's where Jeff and I met each other was through Charlie Hunter. We, uh, I recorded, I recorded you guys playing the show you did it on the one, the first thing. That's right. They that's where we met. Called me great to record show. that on site, and it was cool, and it's great. And I think was that's, that the Peter Cancura record or the duo? Uh-uh. That, that was, was the stuff. That was the stuff before. And I want to say that it's on. Wow, man, it's released somewhere. It's on Charlie's Patreon or your Patreon or yeah, your. I think it's on Charlie's Patreon. Something, there. but I can't remember. Yeah. So anyway, man, but so that's where Jeff and I know each other from is working with Charlie. But now we know each other outside of those circles and and just continue to stay in touch. But, dude, I just want to say again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much uh, for doing this. And I'm so glad that I could get you on. And um, and for all the fine people, I will have all of Jeff's links to everything that he does running the whole time in this video and all that good stuff. So if you. Uh, if you don't see the YouTube version or you're listening to the audio podcast version, clapper dapper at gmail.com. That's C L A P P E R D A P P E R at gmail.com. And the clapper dapper will hook you up with some lessons and he will hook yeah. you up with some tracking if you need it. And uh, again, man, I just wanted to say, um, I just wanted to say thank you, sir. Thank you, man. Love you, Benji. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to know you, bro. For real. Dude, thank you, man. And we will see you next time. I love you, brother. All right. How do you turn this thing off? See? What did I tell you? Told you it was going to be a cool episode, right? Cool and super, super groovy. You know why? Because this is Conversations in Groove. Check it out on our Earth Tones official YouTube channel and on all of your podcast apps. I'm Benji Johnson. I am your host, and I will be your host every week for Conversations in Groove live right here from Earth Tones Recording Studio.